0: Thank you, Hunter, and thank all of you for helping lead worship today. Good morning, everyone. You made it back after Thanksgiving. All right. So I don't know about you guys, I had to find a new hole in my belt this week after Thanksgiving stuff. So. But glad you guys are here. Looks like a good crowd today for Thanksgiving weekend. I've, I've always wondered, when people have out-of-town guests and they don't come to church, Is it because they're ashamed of their church, or because they're ashamed of their guests? I don't know which one it is, usually. So those of you brought relatives with you today, thank you guys for being here and being a part of it. Glad to to have you guys be here. Um, You know, we had our Thanksgiving service last week, so we're gonna kinda move on from Thanksgiving today, and we're gonna start looking at um, some, what it means to be a healthy church. As, As some of you who are guests may not know, I'm the interim pastor here, so if you're coming here today and you're thinking, Okay, that's what they're stuck with. No, they're not stuck with me. I'm here just temporary, okay? Uh, it will change after a little bit. We're going to be finding a new pastor sometime uh, next year. But in the meantime, we're going to look at what it means to be a healthy church and, and what we need to do and where we need to go. And so it's it's a little bit of work, though. And when I think of the example of it, at my house, I have three sago palms. I think I've got a picture of them up here for you. All right, so just a regular sago palm there. And um, every year, uh, the... the um, the palms give, have these pups around the edge all right? that they grow and they and they have to be cut off and everything and so I studied how to, <clears throat> how to plant those and transplant those so every year around October, November I would get out there and cut off the, the palms, the little pups and take them off and then try to get them and plant them and, and every year I try to plant them and every year they all die. And here's the reason, I'm gonna, I'm gonna admit and if my wife is listening right now you already know this honey but I'm gonna admit it right now, it's because I'm really not as dedicated to it, I'm a little bit lazy about it. I think it'd be neat to do it and so I'll get all the things set up but transplanting sago palm pups is hard work. I mean it takes a lot of work, you gotta get there, and make sure that they're watered and make sure they're fertilized right, make sure they get the right amount of sunlight and all this kind of stuff and protected from animals and that kind of thing and so I just don't work at it very hard, I'm admitting to you right now, that's one of the things that I just I, I've played at, but I've never been good at because I haven't really dedicated to it. Well, fortunately, growing church is one of the things I do work hard at, and it's going to take hard work from all of us. To, uh, to, for any church, not just our church, for any church, to be a growing, healthy church takes a lot of hard work, and that's what we're going to look at today. So we're going to turn to the book of Acts. We're going to be in Acts chapter 2. We were in Acts chapter 2 two weeks ago when I preached. We looked at Pentecost. Now, where we're today is actually that same passage, the very end of that passage, where the the Holy Spirit came in power, and then Peter preaches a sermon, and we skipped all of Peter's sermon, and we're going to get right to the end of what happened at the end, so we're going to look at just verses 41 and 42 today. In two weeks, we're going to look at the following verses after that, but today we're just going to look at these two verses. So here it is, Acts chapter 2, verses 41 and 42. Remember, this is after Peter preached. So then, those who had received his word were baptized. And that day there were added about 3,000 souls. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Speaking of that, let's pray. Father, thank you again for the opportunity to worship. Thank you, Father, the people who have made it back, traveled back after the holidays, and have been here. Father, thank you for the gathering of this church's family. And Father, we just ask now as we look into your word that your Holy Spirit will speak, Father. Father, if you can use my words, great, but if you bypass my words and speak directly to your people, that's fine, Father. We just want to dwell in the presence of you through your word today. And Father, teach us what we need to know, that we may serve you better, love you more, and be able to be the church you've called us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, unlike my typical sermon, which normally has three points, I've got four today. So we're going to kind of jump right into it, all right? So the first thing I think I see out of this passage is that a healthy, growing church is a learning church. That's right there in in verse 42. That's what we're going to focus on today. It says they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. So the apostles wound up teaching about Jesus, and the people were listening to him. Now, you would think, couldn't they just? Rest on their laurels right now. They had just baptized 3,000 people. If we baptized 30 people here, and I said, and don't forget to show up tonight for our Bible study, money of you would be like, oh, come on, give us a break here. We just managed. They baptized 3,000. By the way, that would be like from 120 to 3,000, that would be like us going up to about 2,200 right now. All right? Could you imagine what it would be like if we had, if we had to baptize 2,200 people now? All right, let's be honest. Most of you would not make it through that baptismal service, would you? Even if we had three baptists here. We had if we had Red and Jeremy and and, and Hunter and I all baptizing here, we'd all be pruny by the time it's over, okay? I mean, it would be we used to be so waterlogged, and you guys would be all gone by then. You'd be like, I'm not dealing with this. And I know the board members are going like it's going to cost us a fortune for all that water and how much it's going to cost to heat it. And I'm wondering if these people are going to tithe or not, you know, that kind of thing. So all that stuff going on. But they didn't rest on that. It says they jumped into teaching and learning. And remember, this was before they had the Bible. They had the Old Testament at this point, or most of it, was, was, had been gathered into the Old Testament. The New Testament had not been written yet. And so they were uh, listening to the apostles teaching. And what were they teaching? Well, we don't know for sure, but probably they were teaching stories about Jesus and the Old Testament prophecies that he fulfilled. That's probably what they focused on. Remember, one of the hallmarks of an apostle at that point was had to be somebody who actually was part of Jesus' teaching also. They'd been one of Jesus' followers at the time. That was one of the standards they used back then. And so whatever it was they were teaching, the people devoted themselves to it. And they continued in it regularly by st- uh, and steadfastly by meeting together to study and to hear the apostles. And they would listen to the apostles teach for hours. This was before the days of the 22-minute sitcom that, and I used to say 30 minutes, but I know most of us watch our stuff now on Netflix or recorded already, and we skip through the commercials. So it's only 22 minutes, and that is like our attention span now. Okay, my sermons go a little bit longer than 22 minutes. I know some of you start struggling after that, after that 22 minutes, like, okay, wrap it up. This act four, let's get to the end here. But they didn't have it. and they would listen for hours and hours and hours. In fact, you may be familiar with the story of Eutychus in Acts chapter 20, verse, uh, starting verse 7. Anybody know Eutychus? <clears throat> okay, the story is Paul was in the city of Troas, and he was teaching there. And uh, there was a young man named Eutychus, and he was sitting in the window sill, and he fell asleep. And he fell out of the window. Now, sadly, it was the third story window. And so, it says that Paul had been teaching, and he went long beyond midnight, and he fell out of the third story window and died. Now, fortunately, God performed a miracle, and through Paul and, and the Holy Spirit working through Paul, Eutychus recovered. All right, that's not weird to so say he recovered from death, all right, but he did, okay? God is actually pretty good about that, though there's a few times that happens. Today, we get sort of antsy if the service goes longer than 90 minutes, In fact, this is one of the longest. You guys are better than most churches. I know some churches, it goes past 65 minutes, they're like, all right, sorry, the game is on, you know, or as I said last week, you know, that that Celebration Churches beat us to Panera Bread. We don't want to be in line behind them. We need to be out of here pretty quick. But they went on and on and on with it. Now, I'm glad, though, that this isn't the only way that we study the Bible, because I want to be very honest with you. If Your only Bible engagement through this church was hearing a sermon from me 30 minutes every week. That was not good enough, all right? That's not gonna grow a good solid Christian. It's not gonna grow a good solid church. We've gotta have more than that. So we've got a few other ways that we do it. First, we encourage all of our members to be involved in regular Bible study yourselves. And our church is going to do a better job of supporting that in the future, helping you find Bible programs and things, uh, Bible reading guides and those kind of things to help you read through it. But we've got Bibles available for you. If anybody in our church doesn't have a Bible, we'll provide them one free. We provide study materials if you need it for that. So you already have that available. We just haven't been pushing it very much. But we're going to come to a point to be a healthy church. We've got to be the kind of church we're going to admit to each other. We're going to be able to talk and just admit, did you spend much time in God's Word this week? And find out what you what you did and how you did and share together about it. The other thing is that we used to be very good about it, our church, and this is a I and mean, if you're watching online, again, I'm gonna say this is not a bad church. You're actually tuned in on a good day today. We're gonna talk about some things we need to work on. So you're gonna see some behind the scenes of our church here, but but we have not been as good about our small groups. So one of the things I'm getting our leaders to work on is starting sometime next year. It's gonna take us probably into February before we get it all set up, but We want to start some more small groups. And I just want to let you know that we actually expect, now we can't require it, we're not going to judge you if you don't, but we expect everyone in our church church, to be involved in a small group. Because a small group is where we not only study God's Word together, but we apply it together. Because I'll be honest, there's a lot of application in this this message today. You all should have gotten this um, little handout. In fact, if you didn't, Reuben has some more of these. Anybody not, does anybody need one of these for today? All right, Reuben, there's a couple that, that don't have. If you don't have this today, just raise your hand, and, and Reuben will bring you one right now. Um, this is just for your guy. You're not turning this in or whatever. But to be honest, you can fill this out, and it's just all you're doing is giving a checkbox and, um, and not being, you know, and, and nobody's going to check you on it. Nobody's going to follow through on it or, or make sure you're doing any of this, so you could lie to me about it or lie to yourself. That's, you know, but when you get to a small group, it's where we begin to actually apply it together a little bit more. And we challenge each other to grow. So I'm just giving you that warning, That's that's something cause a healthy growing church is a learning church. We're gonna, we're gonna be creating more small groups. Right now we do have a couple of small groups you can be a part of now, if everybody comes it's not a small group anymore. But on Thursday night, uh, uh, one of our, our lay pastors here, uh, Red, teaches a Bible study. Again, I think Debbie probably does more of the work than Red, I don't know for sure, but. She didn't, she didn't smile at that, so there might be more truth than that, that thought. All right, so uh, But has a Bible study here uh, in the children's area on Thursday night. And then we've got the youth group, too. So if you're a teenager here, all right, if you're a teenager and you're not part of our, our youth group, Hunter leads our youth group on Thursday nights. We would love to have you guys be a part of that. So that are our, our two small groups that we have right now. But we're going to be working on more, so I want to encourage you with that. So if you aren't in regular Bible study, either personal devotions or a group s- study, you're missing the opportunity to learn more about God's Word, and we need mature Christians to be a part of a healthy, growing church. In fact, does anybody, all right, not our planning group that was here, okay, so if you guys are exempt all right now, but is anybody, is anybody bold enough to tell me what you think our number one job as our church is? We've got one job, really, our mission. What do you think, Jeremy? Glorify God. Glorify God. Close, that's our purpose. That's our purpose as individual Christians, and that's, I always get that one, and that's it. And that is our purpose, but we have a mission. Make disciples. make disciples. That is it right there, okay? That's our job one right there, to make disciples. And that means helping us all grow together as better disciples. And learning is a part of that. So if you look at that sheet that we've given you today, okay, it's just a chance for you to kind of think through. Again, nobody's, we're not turning this in, it's this just for your use. But asking you to think through. Are you invo- how are you involved engaging God's Word? Do you take sermon notes? We have those usually online. Sometimes we'll have a handout like this. You can also just get a pencil and paper or your phone and tap out some notes or whatever. So taking sermon notes is a way to engage in God's word. Participating in Bible study or in some churches call it Sunday school, so I use that term there in case you come from another church that uses that term instead of Bible study, that's fine. Do you have a daily devotional time? Um, One of the things we want to encourage you to do is have a daily time with God. What does it look like? Well, that's between you and God. Some people, it's an hour and a half of digging into God's Word and praying and that kind of thing. Other people, it's, a, it's, it's short. It's five, ten minutes engaging with God. Some people, it's five minutes here and five minutes there and five minutes there. You do what works best for you, how you engage with God. But we want you daily to do that. It's Just think of it like, like spiritual feeding, okay? How many of you, because you ate a good meal on Thanksgiving, said, I'm not going to eat on Friday because I ate a good meal on Thanksgiving, did anybody skip meals on Friday because, all right. all right, that makes about as much sense as it does to say, you know, I studied God's word for a, for a good bit of time yesterday, I'm going to skip it today, all right? No, you need to feed yourself a little bit every day, so just kind of keep that in mind. Reading the Bible regularly, studying the Bible, by the way, I'll give you a quick, do you know what the difference between studying and uh, reading and studying is? I'll give you a simple, easy definition right there. There's a difference between reading and studying sometimes. Just sit down and take in some notes, writing in your journal or typing in your journal, or whatever it is you do, making some notes about what God is saying to you, how God's speaking to you. That's a good way to do it. Memorizing scripture. By the way, I'm amazed as I talk to the leaders here and, <clears throat> and, that, um, and they'll just quote scripture. on You've got a lot of, of just Bible memorizing fiends in this church, okay? Just that guys are crazy about it. Uh, <clears throat> or I try to pull up some some verse I think is an obscure verse, and somebody go, "Oh yeah, that's that's uh, Ezra seven sixteen right there." And I'm like, how do you know that? Just because I because the, they've memorized scripture. So you've got leaders that are good about memorizing scripture. Want to encourage you to do that also. <clears throat> and then use scripture in spiritual conversations. If you're having a conversation with somebody, whether you're a part of this church or not, and the Lord brings up a scripture that might encourage someone or teach someone, don't hesitate to use it. So those are just a few ways that we can right now be a a learning church together. And we're going to continue to work on that as we get ready to call a new pastor. Now, it says that's how a church continues in knowledge, but it's also important for a church to grow in relationships. So the second thing I see in this passage is a healthy growing church is a loving church. It is a loving church. And it says these early Christians had fellowship together. It says they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. Now, let's be honest, do you ever hear the word fellowship outside of church nowadays? No, you really don't. In fact, non-Christians don't even really understand what the word fellowship means. And I think that's interesting because fellowship for us is a unique kind of thing that just doesn't exist. In fact, there's a word here that Paul used, I believe Paul, Paul coined this word, it's the word koinonia, here it is right there, koinonia, in fact I wrote it in Greek for you there, just so you kind of see, just because it, I don't know, it feels, more, it feels more spiritual when you show it in Greek, alright, uh, not that I'm bragging about my, listen, I've forgotten all the Greek I ever learned, so I'm not bragging here at all, but that's koinonia there, alright, it's that word, it's a word that means a special kind of fellowship that only Christians can have together because of the Holy Spirit working in their lives. In other words, we've got a deeper level of commitment we can make to people. In fact, I've mo- known people that because their family relationships are strained, they were closer to their church family than their physical family. Now, I'm not saying that's the perfect world, that's exactly what we're striving for, but I'm saying we've got a deeper level. In fact, if, you're, if your physical family are not believers and you are, there's, a, there's an area of fellowship that's gonna be missing between you guys that you can have at church, right? So that word koinonia means fellowship together in the spirit. It's a great word. And that's why some people refer to this church, uh, church in general as the forever family. The forever family. You know, I love my wife, but there's gonna become a day when I'm not married to her anymore. And uh, Jesus said that once we're in heaven, we're like the angels, neither married nor given in marriage. And, that's, and that's, that's sad for me in some ways because I think, I, I still want to be married to her. But the reason I'm not going to be is because there's a deeper level of fellowship we're going to have in heaven that we can have that far exceeds that of marriage. You know, some of, you know we're not going to be the family units like we are in our homes, like we're gathered around at Thanksgiving in heaven, but we will be this kind of family and it will be even deeper. So look around, people. This is your forever family. You're stuck with these people for eternity, all right? Assuming we're all believers in Jesus. So we need to learn to love together and grow together, okay? Or heaven's not going to be as heavenly as some of us might think it is if we don't learn how to do that. You know, and th- those bonds really go deep. Um, even for me as a, as a, as a pastor who, who jumps from church to church, I'm, I'm at this church for six months or a year or whatever, I still maintain some of those deep connections. Last year, I, I was called back to perform a wedding of a church that I served 30 years ago, but the, 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 the daughter of one of my uh, close uh, lay leaders at that church, her da- his daughter got married, and they called me back to do the wedding and was able to just pick up and fellowship with them again. Last month, um, a family that, from a, the church in Fremont that I served two years ago was coming through town and met me at Panera Bread and we sat and had fellowship again because those connections stay deep. It's just so good to stay connected with those people and we can because of what Jesus is doing in our lives. Now it's true, non-Christians can keep in touch with old friends, but the bond you have with a fellow believer, when when we are the kind of church God's called us to be, the bond you have with a fellow believer is something that the world cannot come close to matching and it goes on into eternity. Now, I want you to let you know, though, I'm not talking about this just being a friendly church. That It goes far beyond that. Okay. In fact, I want to tell you, I give you this, you'll hear me say this phrase a couple times, but I'm going to go ahead and introduce you to you right here. As we look at reaching out to people later on, I'm going to let you know there is nobody in Fresno who is looking for a friendly church. People out there do not care if we are friendly. No, they really don't. And if that's all they're looking for, I've met in my life maybe a half dozen churches that just weren't friendly. Almost every church is friendly. But people aren't looking for a friendly church. People are looking for a church where they can make friends. Keep that in mind. They're looking for a church where they can make friends. And are we that kind of church going together that we can, that we can learn, and learn together, but we can also love together? and become that kind of church where people relate to each other and they get to know each other. And it's a very christian phrase, but where we can actually do life together. That's something, that's what we're looking for. And I think there's a very real sense that the people in our church do love each other and enjoy being together. But like most churches, we have we've had troubles. Okay? And uh, I've seen churches that have gone through troubling times and they develop this hunker-in-the-bunker mentality where we're just going to just turtle up and just not, we're just going to find our safe group of people and that's all we're going to trust. And it means closing off to other people. So I I just want to make sure we don't do that either. We have to have a loving congregation, but we have to be open to new people as well and not not let fear and distrust of the world or fear and distrust of other churches or fear and distrust distrust of the problems we've had in the past to stand in our way. Just like you do with the relationships, if you have a broken relationship and you're working at reconciling, there's a point we have to get past the problems of the past. All right? But I've seen families do that. I think I know that our family, our church family can do it also. So let's talk about what you can do to help us be a loving church also. Uh, I'm going to say first share prayer requests with your church family. Just Ask people to pray for you. Do not hesitate to do that. Second, be regular in praying for other people. Lifting them up and praying for them. I pray for many of you guys regularly. And as you let me know prayer requests, I write them down so that I can be praying for them regularly. And let's do that for each other. Reach out to the people during the week. Reach out to those who are pulling away. One of the worst things that can happen in church is for somebody to drift off and nobody Notices. It's one of the toughest things when I've said to churches, like I'll run across a name and said, "Well, where is Jeffrey? I don't. If we, I don't think we have a Jeffrey here. If I do, we have a Jeffrey here. Okay, good. I just want to pull out a name we didn't have. Where's Jeffrey? People go like, I don't know. Maybe it's been six months since he's been here. I don't know where he is. And I just want to like, Lord, can I slap somebody now? And and the Lord says no, because if you did, you would deserve more slaps than you could give out. So don't don't go there. But Don't let people drift off. If you see people missing, just reach out to them. It's not a, you know, where were you, godless backslider? Why didn't you show up at church? But it's like, hey, missed you Sunday. Or we've missed seeing you. Where are you? That's what you want to do to be a loving church. So reach out to them when they're slipping away. You'll be surprised. Sometimes just a phone call can remind somebody like, yeah, I think I am important at that church to the people. I want to be there. Sharing meals together. Again, I don't know why. This church has a Baptist background, and I don't know why Baptists and food got tied together in a certain way. But I don't, in fact, we use that word koinonia. I think most Baptists think that's the word for potluck, okay? I, I, you know, the, the Greek word for, that's what fellowship means, all right? and So, so invite people to, I, I don't know why it is. People are more receptive to hearing about Jesus when there's food around or something. I don't know, but, but invite people out for food or for coffee or whatever, be willing to share your life with others, that life together kind of thing. And then offer fellowship to new members and new Christians. So we want to make sure that we've got room for new people who are there coming in. So I know that's, that's sort of cut and dried, dull, but I just want to kind of get us through that so we can kind of keep on going there. Now, uh, second thing, third thing I see in this passage, sorry. All right, so we've got knowledge and relationships. We also need to grow in our devotion to God. So a healthy, loving church, healthy, growing church is a Lord-focused church. Lord-focused. Now this one's a little bit confusing for us when we say it's a Lord-focused church because it says they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And that breaking of bread is, a, is an odd phrase there. And it sounds like they're talking about food at this point. And they're, and they're, but they're not. Because they mention later, and I want to see next week in the later passages, talking about they were taking their meals together, breaking bread from house to house. But when they're talking about breaking bread here, they're really talking about celebrating the Lord's Supper at this point. We did it last week. We had Do we call it communion at this church? Communion. We're celebrating communion at this church, all right? And so we did it last week, if you're a part of it. We had our communion time where we have the, the, the well, it was cranberry juice this time, but we have the... The, the fruit of the bog and the, um, and, the, and the bread, and we take it remembering Christ's blood and body sacrifice on the cross. But here's the point that I think the Bible is making here, that they had rituals together, and those rituals are important. The rituals focus them in to the Lord. Like at our church, every week we read that creed. Actually, we have a couple of creeds we, we go back and forth through. And I know for some of you, and I do it too, there's sometimes I tune out in the middle of the creed or as the leader, I'm sitting there going, Barbara, thank you for reading the creed today. All right, really appreciate that. And uh, But I'm sitting there kind of going like, okay, all right, Lord, help Barbara do a good job. I'm not focusing on the creed like I should at, at, some, at some point. I'll, I will do that from time to time. But focusing on that creed and learning together, this is a shared experience. When we're looking at that together and saying, these are the things that we believe together. That's an important part. Taking the Lord's Supper. Going through the baptism experience. One of the things we expect for our people at our church is to be baptized. And baptized by immersion because we believe that is the accurate way to do it. And it's, it's a public testimony of we believe Christ died for us and was resurrected. And we believe that because Jesus is now in our life, that our old life has died and our new life has come about because of that. And so that's one of those rituals. So the idea here is all these things to focus on focusing on the to focus on focusing on the lord. Good good English there, Daryl. To, to help us focus on Jesus. Singing together. And this is it, 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 with the with the size we have it after covid, people are nervous about singing sometimes, but I know when we sing these words together, we are actually focusing on the lord together. Our singing is a ritual that we do. Our prayers can be a ritual of certain kinds. The way that we do things together, we need to focus on the Lord. And the disciples did. They would regularly get together and have the, what they called the love feast which was their version of the Lord's Supper or communion at that point. So uh, here's uh, the point of rituals. The point of rituals is two things. To help us focus our attention together and to remember. Remember two weeks ago we looked at the Feast of Pentecost. How it helped the Jewish people remember God giving them the law at Mount Sinai. And that was the actually this, this passage was written right at the end of that Pentecost meeting that they had. So they, have the, they had the Feast of the Passover, which remembered the, lamp, the, the angel of death passing over the homes of the Israelites when they were in Egypt. So there are a lot of things that we do to do rituals. Now the problem with rituals in America is they sometimes lose their meaning because Americans just, we're not a country that has a long history. We don't have a lot of rituals in our country. Okay, I mean, there are a few rituals, um, you know, we sing the national anthem before, um, before baseball games, that's a ritual, and to be honest, most people don't do that, they're sitting there and just wondering, can the person hit the high note at the end, all right, we sing, take me out to the ball game at the seventh inning stretch, more people get into that than the national anthem, yeah, but we have uh, Veterans Day, all right, Gary, thank you for reminding us of the Veterans Day weekend when you were up here doing that, but how many of you on Veterans Day were really thinking about the veterans? Some of you were, but a lot of people didn't. Same thing with Memorial Day. We focus more on picnics than we do on the sacrifice of others. Americans aren't great about rituals, but but in our church, we only have a few rituals. We could be serious about them. Baptism, the Lord's Supper, our creed, our singing together, those are a few things there. Just be a part of that as you can. And so out of this one, I'm just a short point here, but just a couple of couple of things to put on that one is just want to ask you right now, first, have you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? We could call that a ritual, but that's really the basis of our whole thing right here. We can we can go through saying a creed, we can go through the motions of singing or whatever, but it comes down to it, the thing our church is built on more than anything is that the belief that we're all sinners. We're all messed up, broken people. We all do things wrong. And because of that, we deserve death. We deserve eternal separation from God. But Jesus, who lived a perfect life and never deserved death, gave up his life on the cross for us. That's what the Lord's Supper remembers. And we have to accept that Jesus is the sacrifice for us. He paid the penalty for our sins and accept him into our life. And the way I look at it like this, I use this example a lot. This is not in my script, but I have my, my favorite pocket knife right here, okay? I know, oh, goodness, he's showing a weapon at church. All right, so, all right, but my favorite pocket knife, if I were to say, Anthony, this, that, this is your free gift right here, and I'm offering it to you, yeah, what do you have to do to make it yours? It. You have to come up and grab it. You don't have to do it now, okay? Now I want to keep my knife, All right. <laughs> I just saw the look in your right. eye. I don't trust you, okay? It says, all right, so I love you, but I don't trust you, okay? All right, so, uh, no, the, the Ill, obviously the, 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 the analogy breaks down at some point, but that's the idea that Jesus has offered us salvation, and we have to accept it. And if you don't know how to do that after this service today, I want you to talk to, to me or to Red or to, to, to Hunter or to, to another Uh, to Gary or one of our members that you trust there are a lot of people here that could talk to you about how you can accept Jesus as your Savior and enter into this forever family and once you do that we do want you to be baptized and next time we have the Lord's Supper you can remember what Jesus did for you on the cross personally because you've accepted him so I want to ask you right now to think about have you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior and have you been baptized and if the answer is no to either one of those, I want to talk to you after the service, okay? And the last one, taking the Lord's supper with the proper spirit, that was just sort of in there because it fits, but we won't spend time talking about that. One. Let's go to the, to the last point, all right, is the extension of our devotional life. A healthy, growing church is a praying church. Now, I know for those of you that are, that are more uh, ADD, that doesn't start with an L like the other ones did, but I couldn't find a good word to make it start with an L, so let's just call it what it is. A healthy, growing church is a praying church. Now, we mentioned two weeks ago that, uh, excuse me, we mentioned a a couple of weeks ago that, that prayer is the secret sauce in the movement of the Holy Spirit. That was two weeks ago. That the believers in Jerusalem remained in Jerusalem for 10 days praying for the coming of the Holy Spirit. And you can see over and over in the book of Acts where prayer was important to those first believers. I want to ask you now, how often do you have really good prayer time? Is your prayer time sort of quick? Lord, please don't let that light change red. Or Lord, please don't let any cop see that I didn't pay attention to that light changing red or whatever, like that kind of thing. Or prayer of just checking it off in your thing, like I, I, I prayed through my list today, I got it done. I admit, I do that sometimes. It's like a, a, a to-do list, all right? All right, I pray for this person, this person, this person, I got it all done. And sometimes I do that, but how often do you have a really good, prayer time. Sometimes it takes praying with other people for that to happen. I can remember times of that happening. I remember one time in seminary, praying with my, with, with my two closest friends in seminary and it's one of those experiences where we started praying and I have n- no idea how long we prayed. It might have been just five minutes. I don't think it was. I think it was longer than that. Might have been 40, 50 minutes an hour. I honestly don't know. All I know is when we finished praying, all three of us were just drenched in perspiration. And it was that moment of prayer when we finished, we just sat in silence, that nobody could speak. Now that might be an extreme sort of situation there, but I'm just saying, are you praying with other people in our church regularly? Taking time to focus into being devoted to, to prayer. Remember that passage we're looking at today. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. They were devoted to prayer. And I'm going to encourage you today to be a people known for individual and for corporate prayer. Now, I don't have time to give you example after example after example of prayer miracles. They're easy to find, okay? They're books. You go to in Christian bookstore You can find tons of examples. Go on the internet, you can find tons of examples. In this context, all I want you to know simply is that prayer is a necessary part of a healthy, growing church. When we start our pastor search committee or team, I'm gonna be asking you regularly, every week, to be praying for those guys, for their discernment. Praying right now that that God is preparing a pastor to be here with us. Right now, God knows who that pastor will be, and he's preparing that pastor with what that person needs to be equipped to come here and lead our church. Okay, so, and I'm not just talking about the pastoral prayers that I lead you from or invocations to things like this. I need us all to be people of prayer and known as a people of prayer. To have individual church, individual prayer for the church and for the new pastor when he comes and for the members. That should be a part of your everyday life. In corporate prayer, Needs to be a part of it. Participate in every prayer, every worship service, and every Bible study that you have. Don't don't tune out. In fact, there's a phrase I use. You'll hear me use it several times. Okay, when other people are praying, we tend to go into what I call "holy neutral." All right. So if you catch yourself when somebody else is leading in a prayer, going into holy neutral, snap out of it. Engage with that prayer. If that person is praying a prayer out loud that you can agree with at that point, then do it. There's power to that. If they're going into something, that, and we know what happens sometimes. We've seen people, they're, they started off praying, but then they launched into a sermon in the middle of their prayer. It does happen sometimes. We'll talk about that sometime when we're preaching on prayer, but uh, more of that. But, and, and they've gone off to something like, That's not, then just pray your own prayer at that point. So agree with them if you can. Pray for them if you can't. Pray alongside them, whatever it needs to be, but don't go into holy neutral. And don't be afraid to have spontaneous prayer with church members and with other people or calling up and asking for prayer. And um, I don't, do we, have we published my cell phone number anywhere? I don't think, it, okay, we need to do that. We need to make sure we, we have that in the next newsletter, all right? So if you're, you're coming into something, you want to text me something really quick to say, Pastor, I am about to go, Witness to my next door neighbor, pray for me. Oh, that's fine. Or, Pastor, I'm about to go see the dentist, and I'm just scared, and it still feels silly, but I'm doing it. Can just pray for me. And if I if I can at that point, I will. If I where I can get that text, I will do it. Or if it's, Pastor, I'm about to kill my daughter and go to jail. Please pray for our whole family. I'll pray for that too. Whatever it might be, okay, to be praying together or or other people in the church to be praying for. But we need to start having more prayer together. Praying for our community, praying for our church leaders, praying for the search team as we, when you develop it, praying for our future as a church, praying for each other as we minister and witness together. So our last little section of what can you do. One, I want to encourage you first to spend time praising and thanking God in prayer. That Prayer is just not a time for our wish list. God is not our heavenly Santa Claus. Okay, so make sure your prayer time includes praising and thanking God. Thankfully, whole lot of our worship time up here is prayers, thinking, praising God. And so we've just given you, we're giving you a boost in that already. Praying for the lost around you and around the city by name. I'm hoping, in fact, that here would be the goal. Praying for top 10 people that you could be praying for right now. Like, you know how you used to have the t- FBI's top 10 most wanted list? Maybe you can get to... God's top ten most wanted list in your life. Do something like that. But I'll tell you right now, just right now if you can, see if you can write down on your sheet the names of two non-Christian or unchurched people that you know that you'd be praying for by name. Just two of them right now. And make a commitment to be praying for those people. Praying for the church family, praying for the church leaders, praying for the nations. We say that we're a church that has that missions is a big part of our church? Are we praying individually for our missionaries? Having said that, let me say too, did you know that we have prayer meeting every Wednesday night right here in this room? We'd like to invite you to be a part of it. I've mentioned it before, and guess what? You don't have to pray out loud if you don't want to. I think once you get here and you get to know the people, you'll want to, but if you don't want to, nobody's going to go away going, well, that's sorry church member, they didn't pray out loud at all here. That's not what it's about. It's not about judgment. It's about sharing our life together and praying. And you walk away with a good prayer list of people, our missionaries to be praying for and other things like that. So, praying for the nations, and then finally, praying for the kingdom of God to be realized in our lives. Those are some things I want you to get looking on it. So, as we get into this, we're going to close with a time of prayer. Um, I want to encourage you I don't do it, I'm not going to do a come forward invitation here at, at right now. Um, because there's just so much to deal with. I'm just saying I'm going to be available afterwards. But I do want to join us in a time of prayer right now for this. And then we'll have our um, worship team come back up and lead us in, in a song of commitment. We'll have our announcements, that kind of thing. Guys, thank you for sticking with us for so long with this. But right now, let's just try to practice that prayer. So let's just shake off the holy neutrals real quick. Okay, get it shaking. Get comfortable, whatever you need to do. And let's just spend a little time before God in prayer. Father, thank you that you are here with us. That you truly hear the words that we're praying right now. That you're engaged with us. Father, thank you also that you've told us your Holy Spirit helps us know how to pray. Father, I know for a lot of us, coming before you in prayer just seems to be scary because... We may not know the right thing to say. Thank you, Father, that we don't need the right thing to say, that your Spirit gives us the right thing. And so, Father, as I look out among the bowed heads here in this, this room right here, Father, I thank you for the prayer potential and the prayer power that I see right here. And, Father, I just, on behalf of this congregation, want to come before you saying, we desire to be the church you've called us to be we want to be a healthy growing church and so father we will commit to these things that we've talked about today father we will be devoted to prayer father I pray right now that you will bring to our minds different things we can do to remind us to be in prayer whatever it might be father that we will come before you boldly yet respectfully, that we will lift each other in prayer together. Father, we will be thankful to you for the blessings you have given us. Father, that, that for us, Thanksgiving Day will be every day of the year, that we will acknowledge your Lordship in our life, we'll acknowledge your love that you bestowed upon us, and we'll acknowledge how you are leading us to follow you better. Father, thank you for the opportunities you've given our church. Thank you how that we are going to be, that we've got a mission, that there are truly people out there that we can help make disciples through the power of your spirit. And Father, as we sing now before you, Father, we pray that you would not only hear the words that we sing, but Father, that you would take joy in it And Father, that through our connection with you, we will help keep moving toward becoming the church you desire us to be.